This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. 8.13 on the Blitz 1170. It's a Monday drive to work. Scott File and Rick Corey here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. Reminding you, you can text the word Dallas to 918-262-5072 and have a chance to win a pair of tickets to see Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys unfortunately losing yesterday to Arizona. Pretty good day for the Cardinals and especially for the young quarterback who started in place of, of course, the injured Kyler Murray. But an interesting day for the Cowboys, who defensively has been really good and then struggled in a couple of series and then locked down in the second half but couldn't quite get it done. At 8.13 here on the Blitz 1170 on Thursday here in Tulsa, you'll hear right here, well, just down the hall from here over at Big Country 99.5, Tulsa and Temple. On a Thursday night at Chapman Stadium, we welcome now to our hotline Kevin Copy. He's the Temple play-by-play voice. The Owls coming off a tough one against a Miami team that's pretty doggone good. Kevin, at two and two right now, how are you feeling about your Temple team? Well, it's a mixed bag, right? Five hundred record, but you know, if anyone is really being honest about where they thought this Temple team would likely be after four games, this is probably it. You know, the, the two losses against Power Five teams at Rutgers, home against a ranked Miami team. Two wins over teams you're supposed to beat, Akron and, and Norfolk State. So, you know, uh, uh, probably a little bit similarly maybe to how people are feeling at Tulsa and, and uh, we get conference play started, everyone gets to wipe out the record and, and the real season begins. So, you know, some ups and some downs as, as you might expect. All right, so let's let's start with your quarterback play. Tulsa, of course, saw Temple last year and saw E.J. Warner last year. He struggled this year. He is right at 53%, which is still not quite where you want him. Five touchdowns, four interceptions. How would you assess his play thus far? Yeah, well, similarly inconsistent, right? And what's interesting is the the Temple-Tulsa game last year in Philadelphia was the first week out of the bye week. And EJ was not – he was a true freshman last year. He was not the opening day starter. He got put in and and was still, I think, at the point that you all saw him in the season was – was still finding his footing. He closed strong. He had some great performances down the stretch against Houston, against East Carolina, games that were losses for Temple, but shootout losses where he was phenomenal, throwing the ball 50-plus times a game and, and found himself giving Temple a lead in the last minute or two of each of those games. Defense just couldn't get a stop. I think what we've seen is it hasn't quite picked, off, picked up in this second year for EJ exactly where it left off in the first year. Um, particularly against Miami, a couple of bad decisions, a couple of interceptions, and a fumble lost on a ball that he was trying to spike into the ground that ended up getting ruled a fumble. So, you know, turnovers have been uh, creeping into the game in a way that he, he did a better job, I think, as a freshman protecting that ball. So we haven't seen exactly yet the performance from, from EJ that I think a lot of folks expected maybe coming into his sophomore season. And a short week is is a tough way to try to figure it out, but uh, we'll see if he's able to do that. You know, one of the things I've always said, and we're talking to Kevin Coppe, he's the Temple play-by-play guy, when a guy gets thrown out there and he's young, a lot of times he'll just play on instinct. Then he starts to learn the game, and the game actually gets faster rather than slower for a while because they they sometimes even overthink or they're still trying to mix reactions with learning. You feel like maybe that's part of what he's doing right now because he was fairly new last year? I think that is a really, really good observation. I think you're totally right. If you listen to what the coaches say about EJ, the the first thing that you hear is uh, about his propensity to study film. Now, he's the son of uh, NFL Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner, so he's got that, you know, pedigree in his blood, and he is a quarterback son. He's a film junkie. You hear all about how how he's in the first one in the film room last to get out, and I do think that you're right. I think there is some – 
paralysis of option when you know so much and you're taking in all that information. I think one of the things that was really interesting in the first game of the season against Akron, Temple was down uh, 13-0, but went into a two-minute drill, drove, got some points out of it, right? When you take that, you know, that ability to overthink and you've just got to play football, play in that two-minute drill, best drive of the game for Temple against Miami was in the two-minute drill at the end of the half. That was the lone touchdown they scored. So I think you're really on to something. He's a good football player. He's, uh, you know, he's there for a reason. If you could stop maybe some of the overthinking and, and the dissection and trying to come up with the best option, just play football the way you know you're able to do, I think we've seen him be successful in pockets. I'm sure the coaching staff is trying to figure out a way to, to put him in those types of positions. Yeah, and everybody's a little different, too, just depending on how you calm down. 818 here on the Blitz 1170 with Kevin Cobb, Temple play-by-play voice. Rick Corey with Scott File. This is a really a tough stretch right here, these, these 10 days for Temple – just schedule wise, you've got back to back road games and, you know, a short week this week. How is the coaching staff kind of handling this this tough stretch right now? Yeah, well, I think what we saw is going back to the Miami game on Saturday, there's a couple of players that are, you know, nursing some not major injuries, but just some bumps and some bruises. And and there were a couple guys held out that I think maybe could have gone in a different situation. But just knowing that conference play is opening this Thursday, you're absolutely right. You've got this really tough uh, stretch of games uh, that there were a couple of guys that were inactive on, on Saturday that I think that the staff otherwise would have been able to play uh, in the hopes of getting them rested, ready for this short week, and obviously a very important game at Tulsa. Temple played without Jalen McMurray, their number one cornerback. They played without Dante Wright, their number one receiver. Second straight week, they were without Yvonne Rigby, uh, their number one linebacker. So, obviously, that Miami game is going to be a tall test, even at full strength. But you take away, you know, three starters in, in some pretty significant roles. And for Temple, three single-digit guys. Those jerseys are awarded to the, the nine toughest guys on the team. So, to be without three of those guys against Miami was, was difficult. And I think part of the calculus is to try to get them rested and as close to 100% as you can get them for, let's face it, a more meaningful game to open up conference play on the road. This has a lot more of an impact on, on what Temple's trying to do this year than the Miami game did. No, no doubt about that. How many of those guys do you expect back? Well, you know, it's hard here on Monday morning. Uh, we'll, we'll hear from Coach Drayton on our end in Philadelphia noon Eastern today, so we'll, we'll probably get some status updates. But like I said, none of those are, are injury injuries in that it's not a, you know, a high ankle sprain or a, you know, a broken this or that. It's just nursing kind of some, some banged up and some bruises. So I, I do think that the coaching staff is hopeful uh, that, uh, that some or all of those guys could be back by Thursday night. Do you think this football team has found an identity yet offensively? If you start looking overall at numbers, and we're still early enough in the season, but a leading rusher with 191 yards in Smith and a leading receiver in Anderson at 297 yards, although he, he seems to be a really nice player at a 14-plus points or 14-plus yards per game average. Has this team found an identity yet offensively? No, I, I don't think they have. I thought they took a big step forward against Norfolk State. Now, obviously, that's an FCS opponent. Everyone's going to look their best. But this was a team that really finally put together the kind of rushing performance they had been hoping to, really for a season plus, understand Drayton, who's in his second year. They have not been able to run the ball very effectively. They've had a, a patchwork offensive line now going on two years just because of injuries and, and rotating some guys through different positions. Finally had a great performance. Joquez Smith, who you mentioned, the team's leading rusher, you know, true freshman, comes out, rushes for 142 yards as a touchdown, has another receiving touchdown. You say, okay, maybe this can be the guy. And then, unfortunately, you know, the next week you get uh, 
going against Miami, six carries for four yards. So uh, I don't think this team has been able to run the ball effectively enough. I think their identity is that they want to be balanced, but if you can't run the ball effectively to set up the pass, what it does is it, it forces EJ into a position where he's throwing, you know, 40, sometimes 50 times a game. When he's at his best, he can do that, and he can do some pretty special things, keep you in games and, and win a game or two for you. But I know that it's not the kind of offensive consistency that this team has, has hoped that they would have quite yet. To characterize this group defensively, you mentioned the single numbers. I remember those so well back from when Matt was still there. And, you know, some of those single number cats were still playing in the NFL. Really, really good and tough defenses up front. What does this group look like? Yeah, it's a little bit different uh, over time, and you're right. You know, that, that tradition going back, you actually, even to Al Golden, but really, you know, took that big step forward under Matt Rule in those couple of 10-win seasons they had in the middle of the last decade. Uh, you know, this is a team that historically has had some pretty good front seven play. I think the strength of this team this year is in the linebacking core. Um, and I, I think, actually, Coach Drayton was pretty – explicit in how he called out the defensive line last week. I think that's what's been missing from the kind of Temple tough, the core defensive identity that the better Temple teams, the best Temple teams over the years have had is that, that really tough defensive line, those edge guys. If you think about you know a guy like Hassan Reddick who went in the first round of the draft and is still uh, playing at a very high level on Sundays, those kind of swing defensive end edge rush type of guys, Temple has not really had an effective pass rush this year. You got Jacob Hollins and Leighton Jordan, guys that made some noise last year, you know, haven't quite got into that, that same category this year. So I, I think that's the unit that's, that's missing a little bit, that they're still waiting to see step up. They do have some real talent at, at, at linebacker. I think that's probably where the strength of the defense is. And, uh, again, it's just a, a mixed bag. There's some, some great stretches. They have the second half against Akron, allowed zero points, only 41 total yards. And then you have – the fourth quarter against Rutgers where Temple gives up 23 unanswered points to end the game. So like any two and two team, you know, it's, it's certainly been a mixed bag in, in, in every phase of the game. Just, just a couple more minutes here with Kevin copies, the Temple play by play voice. The Owls will be here to play Tulsa in town at HH Chapman stadium on Thursday. Coach Kevin Wilson from Tulsa made no bones about the fact he thought the Northern Illinois game. And then this game against Temple were a huge stretch for this University of Tulsa football team. And really what he's pointing at is you got to win these two. They're winnable games. You win these two, and you, you really down, you know, kind of get off toward being bowl eligible. Now, you mentioned this is an important stretch for Temple. So you come off tough games with Rutgers, Norfolk, and then Miami, and, yeah, you're supposed to win the Norfolk game. But now you're into conference play. Tulsa, then UTSA, who's been very good, then North Texas, SMU, Navy, South Florida, and you'll go on against UAB and Memphis. Is this a key stretch for Temple as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, no one is going to come right out and say it, but when, when Temple was three and nine last year, you know, the goal, the stated goal is to compete for a conference championship, right? Well, you got to get to six. That's what the math is all about. And so you're two and two, you got to find your four wins in conference. And I think you're right. I think you look at this Temple and this Tulsa team coming into this game, two, two and two teams, you've got losses against power fives. You've got the wins against the teams that you were supposed to beat. So yeah, I, I think it's a real swing game in that sense. Obviously, short week on the road makes things a little tougher for Temple. That UTSA team, you're right, it's maybe the best one in three team in the country uh, when you look at certainly what they were expected to do in the conference this year. So, yeah, the math gets pretty difficult. If you, uh, if you drop those first two games in, in conference play, all of a sudden now you're going on the road to North Texas uh, for the first time. That's a tough road environment, a place where you would then almost have to win to, to keep, uh, you know, any shot of going to a bowl game. So, 
yeah, I, I think it's it's uh, two teams and two programs in that way in, in a kind of similar spot. And, uh, you know, it, it just places that much more emphasis on, on the importance of this game on Thursday. You just kind of touched on this. You know, this week kicks off conference play in the American. It's a new-look American. What are you personally looking forward to seeing in this in this new-look American this year? Well, just from a purely selfish standpoint, I really have heard great things about that environment at North Texas. We've got a game down there. It'll be my first trip personally to Denton uh, to get to check that out in person on October 14th. Uh, UTSA, uh, you know, I think it's a real exciting opportunity. It's a homecoming game at Temple, which really is a big deal at this school in terms of its turnout and, and the atmosphere for homecoming is still this is one of those programs where homecoming really does mean something and a chance to measure yourself against a team coming into the conference this year where, uh, where they are expected to be one of the best. Uh, no trip to Tulane or, or vice versa, so no chance to take on the defending champs this year. But, you know, you never know. You get a hot stretch and then uh, maybe end up seeing them in the first week of December after all. Yeah, you never know. Well, Kevin, travel safe. We will see you in the, around the press box on Thursday, and it should be an interesting night. I think both teams kind of pointed at this one and say, yeah, this one's one we got to win. Absolutely. Looking forward to coming down there, as always, and uh, appreciate the time to uh, get to talk with you all on Monday. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.